The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this episode of Humans of Speedway, part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Ian Brannan, and in this episode, I'm in conversation with someone who has one of the most famous surnames in World Speedway. Paco Castagna, the son of Armando Castagna, has now forged his own career in the sport. Um, he's had spells in the UK with Sheffield, Ipswich and uh, Birmingham, which is the team he's going to be riding for in 2021. But growing up around Speedway and Speedway tracks and major tournaments has certainly given him a great education in the sport, and he counts some of the sport's household names as personal family friends. Being around those kind of names has certainly given him an insight into what's required to be the very best in World Speedway. Paco is a two-time Italian champion. He's got appearances for his country in the Speedway World Cup under his belt. And uh, he's looking to add more silverware to that trophy cabinet over the next 10 or 15 years or so. And he joins us right now on Humans of Speedway. My great pleasure to welcome Paco Castagna. Thanks a lot, mate. And, uh, uh, well... Nice to be on and, uh, yeah, looking forward for a nice chat, mate, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my first question to, to, I think, pretty much everybody I've spoken to is how did you find your way into Speedway? But for you, I think that's kind of a, an obvious one, <laughs> more, than, more than most. <laughs> yeah, you, you are yeah, exactly right. You know, it's, uh, it's been very easy, kind of uh, <laughs> easy path. No, I'm joking. It's, it was just because of family, of course, you know, being... Um, uh, the son of 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 Armando and uh, he's been a great rider during you know the 80s and 90s and and yeah you know I grew up with it and uh, since I, since I was born I was in the middle of in yeah in the middle of the speedy bikes more than any other bikes and um, I was going around the tracks and uh, yeah just uh, was a young kid even riding the bicycle I was just doing you know an oval track and just trying to skid uh, to skid the bicycle so. It's always been in my blood since day one, and uh, yeah, I'm very glad it did. And so from um, trying to get your, your push bike to slide, were you on a speedway bike from an early age too? Uh, to be honest, uh, comparing to the to the other um, speedway riders around uh, Scandinavia and Poland and all that, you know, I started very, very, very late. 
um, because of course they have the ATCC and, and and you know smaller bikes. They do world championship meetings and all kind of stuff. While uh, my first meeting was at sixteen, I think, fifteen probably. So yeah, I started late. That is very late because I mean by by that point, uh, many have have been riding grass tracks since they were maybe six or seven or motocross or or whatever. So it, considering your family links, that's probably quite surprising. Yeah, but mainly, mainly was it? It was because uh, obviously in Italy mm, the uh, the speedway movement is a, is a lot smaller than uh, other countries, and and uh, even back then we didn't have too many tracks, and uh, uh, the policy of um, of the Italian Federation is that you cannot ride a speedway bike, mm, obviously. Uh, until you are, I, I'm just thinking. I think it's like 14, so mm. you need to be 14 to ride a speedy bike. But of course, we can. We couldn't get back then uh, like an 80cc or a smaller bike. There was no other riders where I could get meetings in. While you go to Sweden, like most of kids have the Peewee or or, or the uh, the 80cc. You know, they are riding. So I was pretty much not the only kid uh, doing speedy back then. But you know, there weren't too many. And, and tell us about the Italian speedway scene, because your your dad was probably one of the first, I, I suppose, of the, the, well, certainly the most successful Italian rider. But what's the Italian speedway scene like? Because we don't see many Italian riders in, in our country, in, in, in Great Britain. Yeah, mainly, mainly it's because, you know, back then, back in the 80s and... and uh, late 80s and start of 90s, you know, the movement was very big and there were many, many riders. You know, uh, in Europe, we were um, considered one of the best uh, countries, you know, uh, as far as individual riders, um, because we had many tracks. But then uh, the end of the 90s, uh, uh, you know, they start closing because of noise, because of uh, houses being built around the track, and then obviously the people in the houses uh, complaining about the noise and, and the dust and all that kind of stuff. And um, many tracks, you know, closed. And, uh, you know, when I was uh, starting out in 2010, I'm just thinking we had uh, probably three, let's call it three and a half tracks. So we had three tracks plus another uh, small one, uh, which was only considered like a practice track. So comparing 15 years earlier, where they had like 15, 20. So you can you can well imagine, you know. That's a big difference in the amount of tracks available from that time that you talk about, isn't it? From 15 or 20 years ago. Well, yeah, that's again, that's because of the noise and, and, and all the environment uh, problems, you know, all the money that needs to go on the track. And, you know, back then it was very easy to maintain a track. While now you have to have all these, uh, uh, you know, with all the, the new rules and everything, you, it takes a lot of money and effort. And uh, again, back then was easier. So it's, it's very, it's very simple. You know, when you have many tracks, you have many, many riders that attract many kids that want to try the sport and, um, you know, kids grow up racing speedway and that's where the, you get the riders. Now, we are in a situation where um, uh, we have uh, Terence Anno, which is working, you know, their back off uh, every year, getting getting the track better and the stadium better. And it's a, it's a mega stadium, to be honest now. Uh, we have Lonigo, which we hope is going to open again this year after a couple of years of uh, uh, shutting down because of uh, problems with the council. 
and then we have another track which is just a practice track and 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 that's it really that's why the the movement is is very slow and you don't see many italian riders so even for me you know to grow up and and go to the world championship meetings even back then when i was a kid you know racing against the riders doing three four times the meetings i was doing because i was doing like 10 meetings a year uh, you can imagine it's very it's very it's a lot harder for me to grow up um as a rider compare comparing to other nations let's say and growing up as the son of italy's most successful speedway rider and it's no surprise that uh, you grew up around the sport you grew up around well-known riders who who have influenced you uh, as a youngster no doubt and and you mentioned that it was quite late before you actually took speedway up yourself what was the path that led to that because um you clearly had many options in your life you could have done many things i'm sure but um what was the decision to follow in your dad's footsteps was was he uh, hopeful that you you would become a speedway rider well no he never he never really he never really um pushed me into it he never ever pushed me into it and uh, uh my mom either and uh, it was just my own decision they always told me that whatever i was gonna do they were supporting me but uh, i i needed to put 100 percent effort in and um, yeah, it was my own decision. When when I was uh, I was racing already since a couple of years uh, in my in my high school, and um, you know I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit school to to become a professional speedway rider. But my mom said that uh, if I didn't if I didn't uh, uh, finish school, she would have uh, cut my bi- bikes in halves. So <laughs> she, so she so. I finished high school, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good move. <laughs> so I had to, and um, you know, once you once you jump on the on the big big boy's bike and you start skidding it, you know, that's when yeah, that's that's when you fell in love with it, and that's when I des- I decided that uh, I was gonna make uh, try to make a living out of it. And it's going pretty well, you have to say. Um, two-time Italian champion, um, and uh, that's just the start. We've talked about Italy's speedway scene not being what it was, not many tracks, not a big league or anything like that. So in order to really progress in speedway, you need to head overseas. And, um, well, you have came to Sheffield first in the UK. What are your memories of, of first leaving home and, and heading to foreign shores? Yeah, you are probably right. I can't remember if it was the end of 2014 or 15, to be honest. Yeah, it was around then, um, yeah. No, it was the end. The end of 2015. I went to Sheffield. I signed for them. I felt very ready, uh, and then I went there. I had a big crash and uh, started being scary, scared, uh, scared of of the track. And uh, yeah, I just did. I can't remember if I did six or seven meetings for them. It was the end of the season, and um, you know, I, I just I thought I did good, but back then, you know, looking back, I did, let's say, okay. Um, they didn't call me back for the next year. Uh, I was struggling, but I signed with uh, with Ipswich for 2016, and uh, and I went there, and it was uh, it was tough. It was tough, you know. It's very it's very hard when you move out of uh, your own uh, environment and safe environment um, to move to somewhere else where you, you don't know what um, not what to, to expect, but you don't know what you go against to, you know. Um, and that's when you grow as a person with all the difficulties in life. You know, that's when when you face them when you're alone around around the world or around you know a, an unsafe envir- environment. Um, and I'm not saying that where I was living was unsafe. It's just uh, you're you're out of your house without your family uh, on your own as a kid. Uh, well, not as a kid, but as a young 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 man, let's say. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I was living with this family, you know, fantastic family, and I love them, you know, from really the bottom of my heart. And um, but going from uh, uh, living in, in a in a house with my family, going to I was living in a, in a caravan with my let's say my older brother, I call him older brother Gavin. Um, it was a complete change, you know, um, and I was uh, facing you know difficulties and 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 living outside. Uh, again, safe environment, and and it teach me a lot because also the track was very difficult. Ape switch, it was something I've never ever seen in my life, and I was um, I was struggling big time. And uh, you know, when confidence go down, it's very hard. But on the other side, I did a couple of meetings where I did good, and the confidence was going back up. But of course, the team wasn't winning, and and Chris Lewis had to make some changes to make the fans happy, and. Uh, uh, you know that they, they they dropped me again with uh, half of the team and uh, uh, yeah they just did that their own way and I and I just went uh, went home got injured broke my um, broke my ankle pretty bad and um, won the Italian Championship the year after and the year after again as well and uh, back we are you know at Birmingham this year after 2019 with. What I reckon was a good season. I I, I grown grown a lot, and um, yeah, let's see what what 2021 brings. You mentioned the tracks there a couple of times. The, 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 that's probably the thing about um, British speedway racing is that the tracks are probably quite different to what else is found around Europe. And you mentioned there with Sheffield that you were scared of the track. What, was that because it was so fast? Was that because of the the crash that that resulted, or what what was scaring you about it? No, it's not. It's not that it's fast, you know. We um, around Europe in the, in the tracks, in the tracks where we we race are also faster than Sheffield. You know, uh, Sheffield. We can consider Sheffield one of the fastest, if not the fastest, uh, track in England. But if you go to places around Europe where uh, tracks are bigger, like Terentano, I come. I come from you know uh, racing a lot in Terentano, which now is just modified and a bit uh, wider, but. Uh, you know, it's many, many. Well, most of riders don't like Terenzano, but because he, he back then, until last year, they had uh, long straights and very tight corners. He was going in 120 kilometers per hour, locking the bike, and that's quick. And um, so I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of speed or anything like that. But when I went there, I did a second half, first time out, and I had a big crash where I hurt myself f- quite a fair bit. And um, and I kind of uh, it kind of pushed me back a little bit. Uh, I did a couple of meetings there where, where I did okay, and um, but I, I, everything was just new, and I wasn't I wasn't just getting my confidence back as quick as it, as it should. Um, you know, there was a lot of things behind the, behind the scenes, and uh, you know, it just I guess just it just didn't work, and and and, and I'm happy, and I'm happy how um, it kind of teach me a lot. Um, in Sheffield as well as Ipswich, but as you said, you know, tracks, tracks. That's that's the um, difference in England because you learn you learn to adapt to very difficult circumstances in England. Uh, tracks is tracks are, are completely different from anywhere else, um, and uh, I'm not gonna I'm not saying it in a good way. If it makes sense, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think everybody um, knows that not every track in Britain is is uh, is 
super smooth and, and lovely to ride, shall we say? <laughs> I, I can count them in uh, less than hand. Let, <laughs> let's say, let, let's say like this. So, but on the other side, you know, you learn you learn how to adapt and. Uh, um, what what I what I say about England is just uh, is just more survive survival mode when uh, when you are uh, in certain tracks. While uh, if you go to Poland, Sweden, Denmark, or around Europe, you find much nicer tracks where uh, you learn how to go quick. But you go to some championship meetings, European championship meetings, where things don't go the good way, and you need to adapt to bad circumstances. And uh, yeah, England teach you that. And um, yeah, I think it's a good uh, it's a good start for young riders to go there and learn, and um, and that's why I went there. Um, of of course, the level in England is not the same as Poland or or any other leagues, but you know um, it's a good uh, first step forward for uh, a rider's career. I feel um, obviously it's not it's not good to to stand still in Premier League forever. Uh, you need to you know make steps forward. Um, I finally did uh, one full season in England with Birmingham, where I showed uh, a lot of uh, improvement. So obviously this year it's uh, it's more kind of a pushing forward and trying to you know jump into the top league. I think the the thing with um, British tracks, I suppose, if you're looking at being a, a Grand Prix rider or something like that, racing on some of the tracks in uh, Great Britain probably helps you when you come to the likes of Cardiff or those temporary tracks, the smaller ones, would you say? Because they're similar sort of shape, yes. quite a few of them. Yeah, you are right. You know, the temporary tracks are sometimes improved during the years. Obviously now, it's, you know, they are completely different and much, much better. But, you know, I study a lot. I study a lot of the sport. And um, you, you look back back then in the start of the 2000s, um, 2000, until 2010, let's say, uh, even Cardiff was a complete disaster. So for a rider racing in, in, in England, um, he would be much more prepared for that kind of tracks instead, like... If you look like um, one example that makes me think, you know, are the poles uh, like Golub, you know, he was always struggling on a rough, small track, even though he raced in England one year, uh, while riders like, uh, I don't know, Crumpy back then was racing in England most of most years. Uh, he wasn't having too many problems like uh, mm. so. So that's that's the reason, you know, England, England teach, teaches you that. But I do believe that once you go forward in the sport, um, and that's because I've seen it in um, recent riders in the GPs, you know, the likes of Lindgren, Vasilik and them guys. You need to move to the bigger tracks to keep the flow going. Like uh, you see, uh, I feel that Lindgren, since he stopped racing in England, he completely changed his, um, his riding style and he's a lot smoother and less locking up, if it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Now I said a little secret, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> But that's that's also because you're racing day week in and week out in big tracks, um, and not in a kind of a not survival mode anymore because you're a pro. But uh, locking up the bike and doing all that, I feel I feel that also one thing that changed a lot are the bikes, which require or require a lot of smooth riding, where you cannot make mistakes because you make one small mistake and you find losing thirty meters easy. While uh, up to 10 years ago, with the, even with the normal offsets um, or the normal engines, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you, can, you can tell by the way that the riders are, uh, were riding back then, you could make a couple of mistakes and still, and still be in your position. While now you can see 
you know, even the last couple of years, you cannot make any mistakes. Plus, the bikes are so volatile and, and, and difficult to handle that you need to be on your game 100%. And to do that, you need to, you know, uh, be quick. And to be quick, you need to ride the big tracks and, and, and ride them smooth. Of course, you can do it also on the small tracks because, uh, well, you, that's that's how you win races. But obviously, it, it's it's a lot easier to do it on a bigger track than a smaller track. You know, you, you would never, um, you would do it more times in a big track like Poland instead of doing it at Edinburgh in England, isn't it? You're such a student of Speedway too and clearly coming from, a successful Speedway family as you do. You've grown up around success and, and winning things and you've got your eye clearly on, on the world scene. Two-time Italian champion already. Is the Grand Prix series uh, still firmly in your sights and something that you'd love to be a part of one day? Well, that's, that's the aim, of course. You know, um, I've still got a long, long way um, in front of me and uh, and that is going to require a lot, of, a lot of hard work and effort. But, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, shying away from it because um, all the work that has been, you know, put behind the scenes uh, during the last couple of years uh, is is starting to to prove and and um, you know give give some results back, and uh, so I'm I'm keeping the confidence high and I know that uh, uh, it's it's a lot. It's about not giving up and um, and and just keep keep plugging away. So the idea is yeah, just to 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 do small step forward every meeting and. Uh, and go from England, you know, from the Premier League, well, sorry, the Championship, um, jump into the Premiership, and then from then, uh, from there, try to go to maybe Sweden and Poland, and then you know, keep keep plugging away. And Italy hasn't got too many riders on that kind of side where I can, uh, uh, I can jump into the World Championship qualifying rounds and the European Championship quali- qualifying rounds pretty easily, if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, once uh, you know, during the last years, I've always kind of struggled in them meetings, and I've, it's always been hard. Um, but I know what's in front of me, and I know, you know, it took a lot of um, bad situations and bad meetings to to teach me. And you know, now I know what's in front of me, and I'm working very hard, mainly mentally than physically. But um, you know, to to go to them meetings and prove myself that the work I'm doing is uh, is the right one. Paco Castagna on Humans of Speedway. More from Paco to come, including designing his dream meeting. Stay there. Back in 30 seconds. You're listening to Humans of Speedway, part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, the UK's first dedicated sports podcast network. And there's loads of great podcasts for you to check out. It's ever-growing. Loads of different football ones for different clubs and for different sports as well, including snooker, even wrestling covered. So check it out, sport-social.co.uk, to find your next favourite podcast after, of course, you finish with this one. In conversation in this episode with two-time Italian champion Paco Castagna, who's heading back to Great Britain for this coming season, is going to be riding with the Birmingham Brummies. Um, looking back at last season, not the greatest for Speedway, really, a fairly difficult season. Um, how, how was it for you? Well, last year I was pretty busy because I had a, a schedule of, uh, of, of 50 meetings, about 50 meetings. But um, yeah, I just ended up doing, I think, nine or 10 meetings. Uh, with the with the lockdown and all that, I was very lucky to do the meetings. But obviously, you know, again, many riders going to Poland and, and racing there and doing a lot of meetings while, you know, some others didn't. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to this year. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward being uh, 
um, pretty busy. I've got, uh, you know, as you said, uh, Birmingham, which is which is going to be pretty hectic, and uh, and Denmark as well, which uh, you know they they are going to uh, race on Wednesdays. But you know, um, I'm I'm pretty sure we are going to work it out in in somehow. Um, you know, it's it's a very tough league in Denmark because I signed in the Super League, which is the top league. It's like going to the to the Premiership and. Uh, you know, they have all the top Danes there and some poles as well. And, you know, all the good riders go there to race because the tracks are good as well. So the, the competition is very high. But I go there again. I, I was very happy to sign the contract with Brovst. Um, You know, they, they seemed very good people. So I just uh, want to go there and, 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 and give it a go and just uh, push forward in the sport and, and, and push, you know, into my way, into my into my path, you know, forward. And last year, when COVID hit, you um, live and currently are speaking to us from an area in northern Italy, the, the sort of area that we saw on the news here that was particularly hard hit by COVID. And everybody's been hard hit by COVID now, but you had it first and, and very severely around those areas that we saw in our news reports. What was it like um, a year ago around where you are in, in northern Italy? Yeah, it was it was very hard, you know, because back then, back then when it happened, nobody knew anything about, you know, once it England, you know, uh, many um, many other countries already had it, and 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 the news was already out. So you was kind of uh, uh, you kind of knew what was gonna happen, or not what was gonna happen, but what's what was happening. Um, while once we got hit, we were one of the first, and we didn't know what to do. Once we got into lockdown, exactly a, a year and 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 a week ago, because it was mm. around my birthday. Um, yeah, we, we, we were just uh, completely unprepared, let's say. And we didn't know what to do, same as anybody else in the world. Uh, and it was tough because I was... Uh, I, <laughs> last year, I worked extremely, extremely hard for the season. You know, I was fully, fully fit. I felt ready and uh, my equipment was perfect. And, uh, and I just got to March where we went into lockdown. But obviously back then, you know... Um, they said, yeah, it's going to be only be a month. We are going to be all right. So I kept training for all of uh, all of March and, and start of April. And um, and then we went uh, on and on. Yeah, we're going to start next month. Yeah, we're going to start next month. Yeah, we're going to start next month. And, and I got until April where I just exploded because I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, it was end of April where I just said, okay, I'm, we are not going to do anything. So I kind of let the, let the rope go a little bit if it makes sense. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then I found myself uh, into into May where I just didn't go on the track. And then uh, we started off in July. So it was already a couple of mo- mo- other months after. Uh, and then we did the Italian Championship. But, you know, you, you don't go into them meetings with a lot of motivation and uh, not a lot of track time. And uh, it was pretty hard. Luckily, luckily, I was, well, luckily, you know, it was, it was my own. Uh, it was it was good because I went to 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 Slovenia to do the Slovenian Championship last year. It was a one-off meeting and I won that one. Uh, so I cannot consider myself Slovenian champion because it was the the first <laughs> Slovenian rider to win it. But you know I won the meeting. So uh, let's say that. Uh, I am the Slovenian champion. <laughs> so it's like, I, I know that something similar happened uh, in England as well, but we are not going to touch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. 
Oh well, you know, if 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 that's the championships and you're allowed in and you win it, you're the champion. Yeah, surely. exactly, exactly. <laughs> wow, twice Italian and one time Slovenian champion. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm gonna go and try them all: Slovakia, yeah, you Hungary, all of them. <laughs> yeah, the boy, the British final be coming exactly, around yeah, in August. Go in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd be living in Birmingham by then. You you know you're practically a, a native. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I saw the, uh, a video that I think you shared on on social media around that time, where you were um, you got all your um, gear on, you know, your speedway <laughs> race gear, and you, and you were out doing the gardening. Yeah, it was a bit of fun, mate. I did four videos, and actually one of them touched about fifty five thousand people watching it. You know, it was crazy. <laughs> but um, it's funny because it, it all started with um, asking my sister to make some pictures. Uh, for my new gear, which I uh, which I got from Maliniak in Poland, and uh, and I said, yeah, let's let's. Well, of course, we couldn't go anywhere, and I stayed in the house. So I said, let's take the bike into the garden and uh, let's do a couple of pictures. And then I said, just do a couple of videos, and we start messing around. And I said, let's let's do a video to put it out. I think people is bored enough, and they need some uh, some happiness in their life, and just to laugh a little bit. And uh, because of course there was a lot of negativity, same as now, of course. But um, uh, you know they need to laugh a little bit. So that's that was the only reason. I just want to make people laugh a little bit, and they loved it. They asked uh, for part two and three and four, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 they stopped the part number four to be honest. But I should have actually kept going with some other ideas. But I just uh, I kind of stopped it there because then the season started and uh, I was working a little bit in the family restaurant, and uh, yeah, and I kind of stopped. But yeah, it was it was uh, funny. Yeah, it was fun. There's um there's a comedian uh, is it a Swedish comedian who um he the comedian plays yeah, plays a role of, of Tony Ricardson yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I know what you mean yeah. he just turns up to the shop or he's on public transport and he's in his <laughs> race gear it's just a bit, a bit like that I should do it as well <laughs> problem is problem is that many people know me here so they would think I'm going mad and crazy you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think there's definitely something in that as you're getting towards the start of the season that you really can't wait for the season to start. So you're just living your whole life in your uh, in your race wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to be honest, I was I was actually putting the suit on many times because it was brand new and I wanted to use it. But of course, I didn't have many many laps at the track, so I just said, okay, I'm gonna use it at home. <laughs> <laughs> It's fantastic. It's fantastic, and I think people do like see that kind of stuff. You know, it's no, it's mate, just we been live, a nice fun. We live in a in a very in a very crazy world now, and uh, uh, there's a lot of negativity, and I don't I don't really like it. So uh, you know, I always try my best. You know, even if, of, on my small group of people around me, I always try to to be positive and and, and push for positivity because. Uh, uh, there's enough there's enough negativity in this world at the moment you know we don't need to uh, jump into that and uh, many difficult many you know many difficult situations uh, around the world and uh, if if like one stupid video or one post or one picture can uh, can cheer somebody uh, you know somebody up a little bit then you know why not it's, it's all about pushing love and positivity absolutely absolutely and it costs nothing as well it's just exactly. a nice bit of fun um, and how was life? Because you've lived in Birmingham before. You've uh, been a, a Birmingham Brummies rider, and and you're heading back there. It's a, I mean, I I personally I, I love Birmingham as a city. I don't live there, but I've worked there, and I I found it was a a great place to be. How was your experience? <laughs> to, to be honest, 
I've never uh, so because I wasn't living there. I was living in Norwich, uh, and it, it oh, was wow. <laughs> it, it was very very far away. Uh, it was like three and a half four hours trip every meeting. Yeah, um, Norwich is close to nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, and I actually been there. I've never been into the town, to be honest. It's funny and because uh, they they kept telling me. Many people tell me, you know, you've been around the world. You've been here and there. You know. Yes, but I've never seen anything because all I do is uh, <laughs> go at the track with the van, race and pick up the van and go back home. That's all I do, even though <laughs> I can say I've been here and there, but, you know, I, I, I really didn't. And uh, But this year I'm, I, I want to, I, I'm a guy that loves uh, spending time around cities and visiting because, uh, uh, you know, I, I just love the whole, uh, every place is in the world and uh, so yeah, I, I just uh, I just hope I can I can find some time to go there and, and visit a little bit more, which I would love to. Um, I'm probably gonna move from Norwich to somewhere closer to 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 Birmingham, which could probably be around the Swindon area, but I'm not sure yet. Um, so yeah, we will see what happens. But um, otherwise, otherwise, you know, I've been living with a great family. I was very close. Uh, um, in Norwich, you know, sometimes I was going to the gym with Doily and uh, it was fun to, to spend some time with him. Uh, the family I was living with, you know, they are great people and very helpful, you know, I was living uh, with the Trevor Hedge family, um, mm-hmm. you know, engine tuner and former rider. Uh, the family is just fantastic. Um, but yeah, looking forward to doing a bit less hours traveling and uh, spending a bit less money because it's been a a very important important investment into my career that year, I can say. <laughs> and I, well, I hope you get time to have a look around Birmingham. There's some great things to check out and, and some great Italian restaurants as well, so you should feel at home. Okay, I was going to be good. going to give it a go then. Always <laughs> always up for good food, you know. <laughs> as, as, a, as a former, uh, let's say, let's call it cook, not chef, because uh, chef is much uh, higher than me, but, uh, you know, I like to, to taste good food. Of course, yeah, you're, uh, you're a man in the kitchen. What's your, um, what's your signature dish then? Uh, well, you know, I, I do really like uh, cooking a lot of uh, meat in the grill. That's what I really like, you know. I, I really love uh, uh, firing it up and, uh, and just put some, some steaks in the grill. I was pretty good at it, to be honest. Uh, many people were very happy to see me cook uh, a nice steak and uh, they always gave me a lot of uh, positive feedback so yeah i guess i guess it could be it you're good with a barbecue yeah i'm, I'm yeah i'm fairly good to be honest <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to say it too loud because then i'm going to receive many messages saying yeah where well, well, are you coming here to cook something for me you know for one of my friends <laughs> Be like one of those like NFL trailer uh, trailer parties where you know people can gather at the back of your van and you can oh, yeah. you can sell them steaks and stuff before the uh, before the meeting. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Also, also I've been to a couple of places like uh, I've been to um, when I was there in in two thousand nineteen in Norwich. Of course, I was living close to Wally Allen or and Tommy Allen's family. You know, so we went to we we met to see a GP together and uh, and he brought the. Um, the aperitif. So I took a bit of cheese, breadsticks, and I did a nice avocado sauce and all that. And I still receive messages now from Ollie and Tommy, when are we going to do it again? You know, missing <laughs> the cheese and all that. <laughs> so yeah, when it's, when it's about food and having an enjoying time, you know, I'm always up for it. Good stuff. That's great to hear. Um, when we're talking about your, your time on the track so far then, um, we've, we've talked about you, but what about the other riders? Uh, who have you found to be like the toughest competitor that you've come up against so far? Whoa. 
Um, that's a nice question because it always depends on 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 the meeting. I mean, if you if you ask me who was the um, the guy that let's say motivated me the most to improve, uh, surely is the one that I've been racing against the most the most time which would be Covati of course because uh, it's always me and him challenging for the for the top of the championship in the Italian uh, championship rounds and uh, I think I would put him because it's always a big challenge to to beat him mm-hmm. um, if not the toughest rider I've been against uh, well you know I've been against the uh, uh, sometimes I've been against the Greg and and, and Ty in the World Cup or or, or Zegar in the Slovenian Championship, and uh, you know they're always tough, tough guys to beat. Of course, it's um, one of the toughest uh, meetings I remember is is the under 21s qualifying round. So back then in in Italy, you know, I was racing very small amount of meetings back then. But uh, when the the under 21 world qualifying rounds were coming to Terenzano and Lonigo, I was always pushing so hard to qualify. Um, but if I tell you the names, you would be po- well. You you could actually imagine I'm 27. Um, so back in the under 21s, I was racing against uh, Schmarslik, Dudek, Pavlitsky, Jepsen Jensen. Uh, you know, Mikkel Beck Jensen, Mikkel Mikkelsen. Uh, you know, back then, you know, Sam Masters. <laughs> they were very young, but they were racing a lot as well. So it was very tough to race against them. So that's the um, hardest meetings I remember racing in because uh, I was I was a young bloke uh, growing up in the sport and I was just going for it, just going for it. And uh, I crashed a lot, but as well, I was, uh, I was, you know, doing pretty good. But yeah, it just didn't happen. And that's something that, uh, let's say, pisses me off when I think about <laughs> if you make, if I can say it, you know. Yeah. And and do you, I think when uh, we hear of, of qualifying rounds, say, if you're if you're a British rider and they say that you've got to go to Terenzano or, or Lonigo or a place like this, it's obviously a very long trip to get in your van and drive all the way there, do the meeting and then probably come back um, to ride in the league. It's It's, it's a big a big old journey, uh, but for you, that surely is a great home advantage if the qualifying rounds are held on an Italian track. Yes, it does. It's a big, home, big, big advantage. But on the other side, you also have the home pressure because you are the only rider that uh, can prove uh, uh, or can show the the nation on the map, and uh, the, the the amount of pressure you have on your on yourself or they put on you is is much higher than. Uh, than any other places because if you think an English rider that comes to that goes to Germany for a qualifying round yeah okay you know uh, but you can well imagine when the it's the same as when they do the Speedy World Cup or the Speedy of Nations in Manchester or a Kings Lane you know the amount of pressure you have on yourself because you need to you know you need to make a result but they don't um, how can I say it um, they they expect and they want a result not thinking about the back, background that you're going against riders that they are racing three three times the amount of, of meetings you do. And yeah. the level of the competition you, you race them meetings is so much lower respect to the uh, level uh, where they where they well back then or they are now, they are racing. So if I go to a World Championship meeting now, I'm racing against people that uh, are used to race in Poland uh, against very tough competition. 
while I'm used to race in the Italian Championship, oh, well, of course now I am racing also in, in England uh, against a bit of a lower competition. So, of course, your level is going to be different, isn't it? But uh, that's yeah. when you you need to put uh, you need to pull something out of the head and 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 make it. And that's why the extra hard work in the background needs to um, not pay off, but needs to be very hard. So then you can get the result. And I know that you um, obviously we've, we've we've mentioned your dad, but obviously the the riders that your dad um, was racing with through his era. Uh, there's a lot of. Um, legends uh, a lot of uh, a few of which have been on this podcast people like uh, Jeremy Doncaster or Kelvin Tatum and people of that kind of era have you uh, been offered any any great advice by any of those those riders who were sort of friends of the family if you like that um, that's that's helped you in any way yeah i've been growing up with many many older riders uh, around the house you know of course because my father was racing with them plus i was going around the world and meeting a lot of riders and uh, of course, they gave me they gave me many advices, but um, it's the most important thing is um, remembering how they were acting back then and um, comparing it to how I am now. Because of course, back then you have a memory of of how they were back then. Of course, the world was different in 1998 uh, or in 2006, you know, compared to mm. now. But uh, on the other side, you know, they were they were a lot younger, and um, um, I still remember them or how they were acting. And I'm just trying to um, figure out their uh, way of 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 living their career, and you know, learn from them. Of course, I was living. And I lived as well in in Australia with 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 Steve jo- Steve John Johnston, um, and uh, I've seen how he he was uh, in his career. I've seen Crampy, I've seen Hancock, Lee Adams, all of them. Um, so I I look back at how they were and try to learn, you know, on on how they were. That's why when I say I study a lot of the sport, it's not only about the riding on the track where you watch the videos. It's about everything, you know. Everything, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole package. I think it's really interesting that you are studying things in such detail, and obviously you've learned from being around previous champions that that you can list off, like Greg Hancock and Jason Crump, and uh, you've grown up in in great company. Per Johnson is, uh, I know, a big friend of the family as well. Um, do you think that this is the kind of attention to detail that not every rider? puts into the sport um what i do believe is it's it's depending on um um how you are and um how can you say i'm, I'm just trying to figure out a way to say it uh, in a good mm. way i mean if you don't care about your future or you don't set yourself a goal you just go to the track have fun go back home and eat a cheeseburger and you'll be all right you know have a beer and and off we go to the next one. Yeah, I want to do good this year and just whatever happens. If you want to be world champion and, and you set yourself a big goal uh, and you want to go forward, that's, that's, I, think, I think that's what you need to do in any sport. In any sport, um, most of, most of the, the, the world champions were uh, uh, students of, of their bike or their equipment or their uh, whatever of their own game or, or they were studying the opposition in any sport and um, this is why I do believe that to um, equal the lack of the lack of um, 
technique that I have on the bike and talent that I have on the bike, I need to cover it up with a lot of study, a lot of hard work. And, uh, and, and you know, that's what I'm doing at the moment. You know, I, I know that I'm not the best rider in the track technique-wise, but um, you can learn it. And you can learn it by watching and putting the work in once there is practice, once there is a meeting uh, in the background. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing it right even though the results are not here yet but uh yeah i'm i'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, if i keep if i keep into this path then you know something will happen well it's really you know brave to admit your weaknesses number one isn't it but you know by putting all that study in and attention to detail and learning from your own past experiences which you can only have your own experiences by by getting on the bike and riding but secondly putting that together with what you know from uh, you know your friends who have achieved the very heights of the sport hopefully you can convert that into some international success yeah i feel i feel like that way i mean i feel that way and uh, uh, i feel like i can i can go a lot forward in the sport and i can I can do good. Of course, anything can happen, but uh, I'm just trying to control what I can control. And that's uh, my own hard work, my own uh, time that I put into the sport, which is everything. Um, and, uh, and and then just, yeah, keep keep going, keep going and keep going, you know, uh, through the storms of, 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 I don't know if I can say shit, but through the storms of shit and, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, through, through everything that comes, you know, you need to face it and, uh, and go through, through the walls that life puts you in front um, and just keep going. And, uh, and that's what I also, uh, if, if, if anybody, you know what, I didn't learn many things in life yet, but, uh, you know, that's the surely one. And that's something that I would advise to people, you know. And that is Paco Castagna, my guest on this episode of Humans of Speedway. Coming up, we're going to check out Paco's Dream Speedway meeting in our Speedway Paradise feature. Who would make his all-time 1-7? to seven? Um, What rule would he change? And uh, who would be the opposition for this team? A special twist, a team of top Speedway drinkers. <laughs> Find out who makes the list next on Humans of Speedway. It's Humans of Speedway, and I'm Ian Brannan. With me in this episode is two-time Italian champion Paco Castagna, who's ridden in the UK for Sheffield Tigers, Ipswich Witches, Birmingham Brummies, and he's uh, back with Birmingham for the 2021 season. And right now, it's his turn to describe his dream Speedway meeting in our Speedway Paradise fixture. Now, if this is the first time you've listened to Humans of Speedway, well... First of all, welcome along and hope you've enjoyed it so far. We do this feature in every episode. So if you look down the list of all the previous guests, they've all answered these questions. And it's the same six questions every time. So the questions are, if you're going to have a dream meeting, which track would you have purely for the racing? Which stadium would you put that track in? Uh, Who would be in your all-time one to seven? Who would be the referee? Uh, If you could change one rule of Speedway to improve it for the better, what would that be? Of course, don't forget that Paco Castagna's dad is in charge of track racing at the FIM, so it could be a controversial one. Who knows? And who would be the opposition? Let's crack on then, Paco. Starting off with uh, with your track. If you're going to race on any track, which would it be? So I've I've been I've been to many tracks, but not too many. If it makes sense, I, I still I <laughs> okay. still have to go to the Polish tracks and the Swedish tracks and and the Danish tracks, which are recommended as the best. But um, I've been to one track which I think it could produce some 
great racing if the track is well prepared and that's uh, Gorichan in Croatia. That's one track where uh, if it's well prepared, it's gonna create mega mega meetings and uh, it's always very enjoyable to ride and, and I always love to go back there. So yeah, surely the track is Gorichan, but um, if I could move the track into, the, into another stadium mm -hmm. and get it fully packed of people, Surely, yeah. surely, where I've been, uh, and it might be off track, kind of like, like not many people might say it, but it would be Norden in Germany. Norden. Because Norden, Norden in Germany is in the near Gustro and Tetero. It's a, it's a very old track, but if you look at, uh, let's say, 1983 World Final where Ego Müller won, you go have a look later on YouTube and you have a look at that stadium, mate. I've been there racing and uh, he only had uh, three or four thousand people there and he looked absolutely empty. You will have a look at that meeting on YouTube and, you, and then you send me a message and you tell me. <laughs> mate, it's just massive, massive, massive. It's a good shout. I don't think anybody's ever mentioned that before, but I think I have seen the Egon uh, World Final because that's the one where he, it looked like he'd kind of gone across the inside curb a little bit, where he just kept yeah. enough of his tyre. Yeah, it looked like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not, many, not many replays back then, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a yeah, proper, um, proper legend, is, yeah. Uh, is Egon. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. So yeah, that would be the... The nicest thing, you know, Gorichan okay. track inside Norden Stadium. So Bratverse all around then. Norden Stadium around the Gorichan track um, for Paco Castagna's dream meeting. Now, who's going to be in your all-time 1-7, to seven, Paco? I imagine that you've got quite a few well-known um, friends from the world of Speedway, as you've alluded to through the through the course of this chat so far. So who's going to be in your all-time 1-7 to seven, then? So I've put... I've put uh, so this is not the I, I didn't put the best riders in the world in the team to win the meeting, but I've put who I feel like I've learned a lot from and I would love to see racing together. Okay. So I've put Per Jonsson at number one. He's like my uncle. He's my mentor and uh, uh, very good family friend. So I call him Uncle Per. He's gonna <laughs> be a number That's one. Nice. I do believe um, that surely one of the greatest riders ever and i would pair him up a number two with my dad because seeing them riding at reading was mega and i would love to see them riding again so that's them two at number one and two then i've put jason crump at number three and greg hancock at number four and that's because when i was a young kid you know i use I usually had uh, them around the house um for the gps or the big meetings and uh you know you you, you kind of grow up with uh, looking up to them uh and and like crumpy i remember one one thing about you know again we were very good friends and he always called me paco boy you know and he used to give me his goggles and that kind of stuff but then after one big meeting in lonigo it was a big big open meeting he won that year, and after the final, you know, where he won a six a six riders final, he stopped at the pits, said, uh, you know, thank the mechanics, but he called me to jump in the back of his bike to do a, like a victory lap together. Fucking oh, wow. Like, <laughs> I, I, I will never forget that, you know. And um, so, yeah, I always, I always remember that kind of moments and playing in the garden with, uh, with, with Greg and his family. So, yeah, plus, you know, 
this is only personal personal i'm not going to touch their career because you know the numbers and the results will will, will speak for themselves i mean it's must be amazing having these sort of people around to 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 learn from just in you know growing up in that environment yeah mate well you can you can well imagine and uh you know i i've grown up a lot uh looking up to them and uh you know i'm i'm i feel blessed to have had that kind of kind of uh, opportunities and um you know i realized that uh everything happens for a reason and uh i've grown up with them and i want to set that kind of standard of uh of life and career and uh you know i've i've seen i've seen a lot of the behind the scenes and uh yeah so walking walking my way it's a strong team so far though paco isn't it um per jonson armando Greg Hancock, Jason Crump so far. So uh, who's at number five? Number five, I've put, of course, Hans Nielsen. Uh, I've only met him once, but uh, being a tour rider, uh, that's one guy you look up to. And uh, I've learned a lot from him and his riding, and I still got loads to learn from. <laughs> and that's one guy I would put at number five because I would love to see a uh, hit 13 Per Jonsson and Hans Nielsen together. And, uh, <laughs> and then the number six and seven, I've put Donkey, Doncaster and uh, Scott Nichols. So yeah, I've put the two British because, well, Donkey, very, very good friend, fantastic guy, always loved him. Um, he's kind of, uh, you know, somebody you wouldn't, you wouldn't say he was so successful in his career. If it makes sense, you know, always such a polite guy and uh, amazing, amazing gator. Lots to learn from and, uh, you know, always loved him, always. And Scotty, because um, I always, I, I don't know, I always liked Scotty. His riding style, you know, very aggressive. The way he was riding the bike, he is actually, sorry, riding the bike. And, um, you know, I've always, I've always tried to learn a lot from him because he was very uh, unique on the bike and uh, I always loved it. So... So from this team, I've, 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 you know, I, it was hard to select them compared to another couple, but you know, that was my my one seven. No, they're really really great, and and Scott Nichols, in fact, was the first guest on this series about really? well, nearly a year ago. Yeah, nice. yeah. Um, so I, I spoke to him uh, a while ago, and uh, and and Donkey um, spoke to him at Christmas, I think it was. Nice. Um, but yeah, guy. I mean, he was he was uh, as you imagine, he was uh, some great stories and he was he was saying he couldn't understand how um you know he's he's tried to explain how he does his his gating and um not everybody can grasp it but um yeah. but yeah but basically it says don't over rev it was his uh yeah back then it was, was a lot easier back then it was a lot easier yeah. because with the uprights it was a complete different complete different riding you know i've been i've that's one you know i love I love the the speedy from back then. I absolutely love the speedy from the uprights, and and I look a lot of it, even though I shouldn't. But um, I just try to study a lot of it, and uh, I just love it. So the bikes were a lot different, and uh, uh, also the starts. But you know, if you look now, they go on the track and they put the bike at fourteen thousand revs and and drop the clutch. Have you ridden an uprise, one of the classic old bikes? No, actually not. Not yet. I want to, but I never did. So I'm looking, you know, if there's going to be an opportunity to try it uh, behind closed doors, I wouldn't mind giving it a go. Okay. If anybody's listening who's got an upright that uh, Paco can borrow for a, for an hour, then... Uh, hey, maybe um, maybe on a nice uh, smooth track, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we'll see if we can organise that. Something like Bellevue, perhaps. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> Somewhere nice, big and smooth. <laughs> so, next question then, Paco. Who's going to be the referee? Wow, nice yeah. question, because the referees is always very delicate, very delicate question. But one guy I did a couple of meetings with, I can't remember if I did one meeting or two meetings, and uh, I liked I liked a lot his refereeing was Craig Ackroyd. Mm. Uh, obviously, GP referee and, and, and you know... Uh, a lot of a lot of success success in his uh, refereeing career so far, but yeah. yeah, I would say Craig Ackroyd. I remember I had a couple of good meetings with him. I think it was World Championship meetings or stuff like that. But um, yeah, and Chris Degardel's um, finished with the GPs now, and I think so. Craig Ackroyd's widely being thought of as the the best referee in the world at the moment. I think, which is yeah. great for British. Yeah, speed, mate, there's many, mate. There's many, many great referees. Of course, it's always uh, uh, not a nice job, obviously, but because you get a lot of stick. But you know, um, fair play to them for for jumping to do the to do the job. Absolutely. Well, we we do need them. Um, the next question is is sort of related, really, in terms of um, if you're going to change a rule of speedway to improve it. What would that rule be? Now, you're the first person and probably the only person I'm going to speak to whose who's dad is uh, head of track racing at the FIM. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so which rule do you think that you would, you would like to look at if, if you were in charge? I mean, I just think that people need to, you know, riders need to behave a bit more. Starts should be, be a little bit longer. And uh, so the riders should stand still a bit more. Uh, and, and the referees should be a bit more... Uh, you know, uh, soft if it makes sense. Because uh, I stopped watching Polish Speedway just because of the uh, start marshal and the referee. To be honest, uh, it's too. It's, I just don't. I just don't like waiting uh, twenty minutes for for the start marshal to to wait for the millimeter that uh, the wheel, the front wheel moved of the rider and kept moving back. You know, I don't like that. You know, uh, I like it how it was uh, back. You know, five, six, seven years ago. Um, I like the idea of the of the warning. It can be it can be very good instead of throwing a rider out straight away, or a rider trying to you know gate uh, in front every time just by uh, letting the, the the clutch drop straight away. Um, I wouldn't have one one. Um, Rule. I'm just thinking, but I would just be a bit softer. Uh, maybe it would be uh, going back a little bit with the engines. Then mm-hmm. you know, try to uh, maybe restrict them a little bit more. Of course, you can't because it's racing. But you know, if on the idea, the ideal rule would be to go back to the um, 2005 engines. You know, where there was the GM and the Javas. They were a lot softer and and you know a bit easier to ride than they are now. And I think Speedway was uh, a bit better, to be honest, in my in my opinion. You're not the first person to say that, actually. I think, actually, it might have been Jeremy Doncaster that said something similar, thinking about it. Yeah, um, they're too delicate now, mate. The, the, the yeah. engines are very hard to to, to ride, and uh, you're, you're, you know, always on the limit. And, of course, it's Speedway, that's how it is, and you, it, there is only one way, and it's forward, they say. But, you know, I think Speedway was... Uh, it's fantastic now, but I think right, there would be more riders, less injuries, and uh, you know it would be a bit easier to ride and a bit more spectacular, maybe. Okay, and that brings us to our final question then. And who's going to be the opposition for your dream team um, that you've already named your dream one to seven, but you've come up with another team as well that you want to be the opposition. 
And uh, there's a bit of a twist to this. So um, over to you and, and uh, let's see what you've got. So what I did, what I did is, uh, is a second team to finish the meeting. But okay. it's more of a fun team. I'm just going to put them one to seven. And, okay. then, and then I let you know why. Yeah. So All I've right. put Josh Greener number one. Yeah. Mark Loram number two. Yeah. Samer Molenko number three. Uh-huh. Billy Hamula number four. Brian Carger number five, Jono at number six, and Carl Stoneware number seven. Wow. So that's why I thought of this team. Because if, if my home team wins the meeting pretty easy, well, not pretty easy, but they, if they win the meeting, then surely the, the away team can win it at the bar. <laughs> Are they the are they the top seven uh, speedway drinkers? Is that what you say? That's who I think are the best speedway drinkers. I'm pretty sure about <laughs> a couple of them, but I heard some stories. So I'm just them one to seven at the bar would be a complete disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that. Surely, surely the team spirit will be very high. <laughs> you could probably smell it from outside. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I thought of them. I wanted to put a couple of them in my home team, but then I thought, screw it, I'm just going to do another one. Yeah, <laughs> this, this guy's too good at the bar to go in the yeah, actual exactly, team. exactly, exactly. <laughs> How can you leave Jono out of a team? <laughs> I was thinking, are these are these all riders who do are really good at doing wheelies? Um, As and, well. And probably, probably they are. As but, well. Um, yeah, surely much better than the home team, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you put Joe Screen, Samer Molenko doing a couple of laps wheeling, or Billy Hamill, mate, 100%. <laughs> I should go in the team as well if it's all about wheeling then. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, get yourself in. <laughs> well, fantastic. Thanks for sharing your uh, your dream meeting with us, Paco. It sounds uh, certainly sounds like a fantastic meeting. I think um, there would be no shortage of people queuing up for tickets. I would surely pay the ticket to go to watch that meeting and then go out the bar of a couple of beers. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like everybody's a winner <laughs> yeah that's that's why you want to go to the speedy meetings everybody want to win innit? and that's surely everybody's winning that's what we want and um hopefully it's going to be a winning year for you as well uh in 2021 fingers crossed for you stay safe and uh and we'll look forward to speaking to you in future times maybe we can catch up when you're a gp superstar or world champion we can have the uh, we can have the first exclusive 100 <laughs> percent, mate i uh i really appreciate the opportunity to talk to, we, to you and in the podcast podcast i uh, i hope you're gonna have great success with it and uh yeah wish you all the best in your uh in your uh working career and uh, to you know to reach as well your dreams and uh yeah surely uh i'm looking forward to have a chat with you in the next couple of years when i will uh, have a lot more trophies in my uh in my room i hope so <laughs> looking forward to it mate thanks a lot Paco Castagna, my guest on this episode of Humans of Speedway. I hope you enjoyed it as much as uh, I have. A couple of uh, guests, actually, that um, we've had previously on Humans of Speedway are people that have been mentioned in this podcast, including Jeremy Doncaster, um, Scott Nichols, who was the very, very first guest that we ever had uh, going back a little while, and um, Phil Morris, who works very closely with uh, Paco's dad, Armando Castagna, uh, now at the uh, FIM. And uh, Phil is the race director of the Speedway Grand Prix series. So some great stories. Uh, I think uh, Phil actually talks about uh, his time um, in the team with Armando Castagna as well. So check those out, along many other episodes as well for you to listen to. 
at your leisure. Don't forget to um, follow us on whichever podcast platform you listen on, whether that's uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or uh, Google Podcasts or wherever else you download them from because there's heaps of different ways to listen. Follow us on there so that when there is a new episode, you uh, get it straight into your app straight away. And follow us on social media too because we like to share preview clips of upcoming episodes and things like that. So you can uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, search for Humans of Speedway. Um, We've also got a special Facebook group where I give a little bit more info in there as well for people who are like dead keen. And of course, we're on Twitter at Speedway Humans. And Humans of Speedway is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the UK's first dedicated sports podcasting network. Loads of other great titles and that you can listen to from lots of other sports. Uh, plus, if you head to our website, which is sport-social.co.uk and search for Humans of Speedway, uh, you can listen online to all the previous episodes there as well. And in the meantime, take care, stay safe, and we'll speak to you soon on the next episode of Humans of Speedway. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.